Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio South Asian show. My name's Gerns. I'm joined here by Simran. How are you doing? Hello, everybody. I'm good. <laughs> you just conveniently ignore the question there. How are you doing? I think that tells everyone every, everything that they need to know. I am fine. Thank you. I'm fine because I'm ignoring my work. I was saying this the other day. There's a difference between fine and okay. When people say they're okay, that means they're actually okay. When people say they're fine, it means like they're not okay. I'd say the opposite. Because really? Because saying I'm fine is very like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whereas like saying I'm okay is very like reassuring that like I am okay. But then normally people are not okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Well, I hope you're okay. I'm okay. How are you? I'm all right. Just come back from Croatia. Very nice. Um a wedding in there um yeah all good Sorry, i didn't want to speak over um, no, go yeah, for i was it. gonna say i was gonna say um I, was i right in assuming you were going to a wedding well i couldn't remember if it was a wedding here or in croatia yeah no it was over there it was nice i think they got legally married um during covid so this was just like a celebration um but no it was really nice um it was a bit cloudy for what it was supposed to be, but it, the wedding and stuff was really cute and nice. Um, so yeah, I'm back, just getting used to everything again. Like it's weird. Like I think it was actually hotter here than Croatia oh. when I was there, which is weird because I actually would prefer being hot in Croatia to being hot here, which I think is obvious. UK sun is horrific. UK sun is the worst in the whole. It's just horrible. I don't even think it's the it's it's a sunball, so it's just like it's something about being on land, like and it being in the buildings and just like yeah. We're just not prepared. No, there's never. no preparation for that level of heat, and I feel like I don't know if I said this, but like air conditioning needs to be more commonplace now. Yeah, literally, catch me like I I, I can't do with just a fan. Like I need like yeah. full on, yeah. Uh, when I get the money to build my dream house, which is looking less and less likely in the cost of living crisis, um, air conditioning is going to be a must. Yeah, definitely. Wait, so tell me more about this wedding. I actually really want to know because I've never been to a destination wedding. Was it an Asian? Was it an Asian wedding or was it English? So, um, in typical Asian fashion, oh, yeah. this wedding was the bride. Um, in this wedding was my fiance's mom's brother's sister's sister's daughter's wedding i'm gonna need you to right reload that so basically let's try doing it in reverse right so um the bride her mom um, is the oldest of four sisters. Two of those sisters are married to two of my um, fiance's uncles. And that's the relation, basically. Uh, okay. So it's like, uh, te- technically not even my fiance is like blood related, but because of her, because um, obviously two of her uncles are married to two other sisters as well, it's quite like a close family knit, so... But it's one yeah. of those sisters' daughters. Yeah. Not the sisters that are married to the uncles, a different sister. Yeah, a different <laughs> sister's daughter. Yeah. 
Yeah, you were right. That is very typical <laughs> Asian fashion. But um, she, so she is um, Punjabi, um, lives in Sweden, and she's marrying a Croatian man who lives in Sweden, I believe. So that's hence why the wedding was in Croatia. International. Yeah. And yeah, they already, um, like I said, they got married um, during COVID, I think partly because they wanted to start having kids mm. and they have like a um, really young baby and she's really cute. She's called Elma. It's cute. Elma? Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Very cute. Are they going to live in Sweden then? I think so. I think so. Um, but yeah. Obviously, Sweden is nice in the summer, but Croatia is a bit nicer, I think, so fair yeah. enough. But, like, oh, my God, Destination Wedding is crazy. Was it a lot of events, or was it just, like, a one-day thing? It was a two-day thing, so it had, like, a... So, basic. I, I get the sense that um, the parties involved aren't necessarily short of funds, um, let's put it that way, <laughs> because there was a boat party, like, a pre-wedding boat party on the Saturday, and then ceremony and reception on the sunday so it was nice apart from i was telling simran before that um it was chucking it down on the day of the boat party but it turned out all right so it's all good was it um a Punjabi like a sikh wedding um no nah, so the wedding um like itself i think i don't I, I don't know as well because it was in swedish so i didn't really understand anything um it was so funny as well all like the um speeches at the wedding were in swedish so i was just, just sat there like <gasps> yep oh my god i would <laughs> so, like, have needed a translation like i mean i got know, like a, ear pieces I, yeah in museums <laughs> i got like a debrief afterwards for each one but like still but the actual <laughs> wedding itself i don't really know as to whether it was religious or not but i get the sense that it was very much just getting married like um, she was wearing a white wedding dress as well so mm. like um i mean they played um desi music at the wedding as well um so it's it it a nice amalgamation of things lots of different cultures Aww. all merged together so Aww. yeah that actually brings me on to my next question and it's about your wedding here we go okay well first of all how's it going <sighs> i'm in a position now where when people ask that I can say stuff is actually happening in the sense that like plans are being like kind of like we like we started having like meetings and stuff like because before it was just that the venue was booked but now it's that like actually we're starting to think okay this needs to happen this needs to happen next month um my anchor and her family a few of them are going to india to start getting outfits sorted oh my and god it's just, that's so yeah. exciting so it's all it, it it's happening basically it's just like obviously like it's it's still it, things are still up in the air but they're not as much up in the air as they were uh-huh. like i think things before are in motion. I, yeah i think before i was in i was stressed because it was kind of like the venues booked but nothing else is happening yeah Yay. yeah yeah my question on. was like how like desi are you doing it? i mean i know how like desi you're doing it officially but in terms of the little things like the music and like the clothing and like you know the themes and stuff like so clothing wise i think it's just standard in terms of like the ceremony obviously would wear like the outfits and um i think we're doing like a kind of sungi night cocktail party sort of thing so i think it's that as well i think the reception we're kind of maybe gonna leave it a bit more to people kind of do what they want sort of thing which i think is standard anyway like reception people can either wear traditional or western whatever they want Mm -hmm. um 
in terms of like all the little traditions, I want a horse. I'm getting my horse. <gasps> like, oh, I'm yes. providing that the horse can get to the venue, which is a bit of a. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen there, but. Why? Um, what's it like? I've not. I don't well, know. What it, it is. It's basically it's in Manchester, um, like like in the not in the city centre, but towards that. Whereas you know, like traditionally, well, in the UK, Asian weddings are usually like in these like um, country halls. To be fair, I say traditionally, but I say like the Asian weddings that are within the circles that I know. They're yeah. in like these like kind of nice country halls, whatever. Uh-huh. Um. Where obviously it's a lot easier for a horse to go about, whereas for this venue where my wedding is, it's a bit like, yeah, car park. So we'll we'll see. Hey, we will make it work. As long as the horse is okay, that's the main thing. I'm Don't definitely wanna. scared of horses, so I'm not going to be anywhere near you when that's happening. That's all right. That's all right. I'll take a picture from far away. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got his horse. <laughs> um, and in terms of music as well, like, yeah, obviously, want there to be like asian music and stuff um but i think the thing is with us it's like it's not just that we want there to be like a mix of like western and asian music we want them to be someone that actually reflects like what we're into as well which is like sometimes there's a bit more like guilty pleasures sort of thing like we want like because i i think you you'd probably find a lot of djs out there that do weddings that would like be very much set in like what they want to do in terms of like just playing like non-stop Punjabi for like literally like uh-huh, three hours straight uh-huh. or however long so I think it's a case of finding someone that is able to like if we give them like a list of songs being like yeah I can work with this sort of thing yes this is what I I don't know why I'm saying this is what I'm thinking for mine because <laughs> <laughs> is there something you're not telling that's us that's funny that's funny <laughs> um but for mine when it when the day does come if it comes um yeah I don't really want that much Indian music thing is though like if you've got like all the especially the elder generations there as well like i feel like you, obviously it's your wedding but you have to kind of think about people as well because if they're not feeling it they're gonna bring the vibe down do you know what i mean oh they're getting shoved to the back of the hall <laughs> they can just sit there and enjoy their food and while be raving to skepta because fair enough it's my day I was thinking like maybe like a 60-40 split English to Punjabi. Well, yeah, no, definitely. Like that that's fine. Like I I would be happy. I thought I thought you were saying like you wanted like it to be 90-10. Like that would be a bit too No, bad. no, no. Like I I just want the majority to be like songs that I like because otherwise there's no point. Like I'm not going to enjoy it and it's not going to reflect like me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's weird as well because like, obviously at this wedding that I went to, they did a mix of like, it was they did a mix of like Western wedding music, yeah, um, like Punjabi Desi music, and <laughs> then also like traditional Croatian music as well. So it was literally just all over the place. But, but it sounded Swedish good. Music. No, but it's like, I mean, they 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 live in Sweden. They speak Swedish, but then like they're not Swedish. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like. But then I was like, if the speeches were in Swedish, maybe there were like Swedish people present. I mean, if I'm being honest, for all I know, what I thought was Croatian music could be Swedish music. I would have no idea. So True. like, True. yeah. But like that was um, it was good. But um, I did find that like with the music they were playing, it was a lot of the majority of the Asian stuff was more throwback, 
which is weird because because of like my upbringing and the way that I've sort of got into engaging with Asian culture a lot of the music that I know and I'm familiar with is the more recent stuff mm. so it was weird because I was like oh yeah Asian music and then I was like wait like I, I I know these songs but I don't know them know them and it's just like yeah uh, like like you know the sound of them but you couldn't like sing yeah. them or like yeah so like I wouldn't want that at my wedding see I get what you mean like in terms of like it needs it needs to reflect you Basically. Otherwise, I'm just gonna sit there and be like, okay, I don't know any of these songs, like, any, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, exactly, and that's kind of like why, I, like, obviously, I still enjoyed myself, but I was a bit like, oh, like, this is a shame because, like, this is the first, well, not the first time, but like one of few times where I've been to a, um, a wedding where they're playing Asian music and like I am fully immersed in the culture and I can know songs and stuff, and I was still like. Uh, well, the song is like from 20 30 years ago like i don't really know it that well yeah, yeah. i'd be the same though i'd be exactly the same i was gonna yeah. say like now you're in the swing of like wedding planning and stuff do you go to weddings with a different outlook on it like do you go with a bit of like a critical eye like yeah i mean not even like in terms of me personally myself but i think all of like so basically myself and Mayanka's family i think are like the core wedding people um so i think I, I've this is the first wedding I've been to in like four years I think uh, yeah oh, four wow. years I think yeah well yeah because I went to one in 2018 and then I think obviously COVID's happened and I just haven't had any other weddings to go to oh wait no sorry take that back I went to one in 2019 apologies um yeah that, that's bad because the 2019 one was my actual family i apologize for that <laughs> <if you're listening. laughs> but no that was a really nice wedding i feel like i need to big up now but yes i went to a wedding in 2019 and then COVID happened and this is the first one since then um yeah. but the rest of mianka's family have all been to weddings like over the course of summer and it's very much been like i've seen on instagram as well i've been very much like looking seeing how people are doing things like what can we take what we like what we don't like that sort of thing yeah yeah so yeah definitely critical lens is definitely i would be so scared to get married and know there's people there that are getting married in the future because i'm like you are critiquing my wedding you are writing things down you're gonna ask me for the who did the flowers who did the table settings like yeah i mean this is the thing as well because the venue which we're doing at my knowledge i don't think anyone within the community has actually done it there yet so it's very much sort of like i like that it's nice because it's a bit fresh but it's also like kind of like will it or will it or won't it work i mean obviously it'll end up working but it's a case if you know what i mean like it could set a precedent so yeah we'll see i'm also very excited to experience a northern asian wedding i mean again yeah i wouldn't know the difference if i'm being honest i don't know if there, i don't know if there is going to be one but i think it would see. just be like really interesting because the like before i moved to liverpool the most north i had been was birmingham so still still not over that <laughs> so. i don't want to talk about it i'm also embarrassed <sighs> well thank you for that nice wedding tangent that was very i am nice. so involved in this wedding if you want me to fly to india with mianka to look at outfits i will like <laughs> do it they're, sort- they're sorting out their visas as we speak oh i'll be there in tears when she comes out and out <laughs> She'll be like, oh my God. i'm sure you'll be able to follow it on instagram oh my god i'm yeah. dying I, yeah, I'm probably more excited than you are. 
No, what that, that actually no like I need to get off this wedding tour now because we actually need to talk about other stuff. But, um, <laughs> I, could sit, I could sit here all day and I could literally like, say, what colour are the flowers? No, we need a curfew on how much like wedding tour we have per episode. But um, just to round things off, people kept on saying like, oh yeah, like because they'd be talking about the wedding and I'd just kind of be sat there and be like, oh yeah, Carla isn't excited. I'm just like, I am excited. Like I'm actually really looking forward to it. Like just because I'm not like there grinning from ear to ear every second like you know what i mean like but like i think you're more pragmatic in it like you're more thinking like okay things need to get done first before like you can settle and be like okay everything's in place and now i can be excited you're more like there are things to do yeah i think definitely being at a wedding the first wedding since i've been engaged as well I think definitely both of us were very much like yeah this is this is nice this is i'm Aww, looking forward to this sweet. sort of thing yeah. I've got two more questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Two more and then that's it. Go on. Is this the first... It's not the first wedding you've been to as a couple, no? No. Yeah, you've been to ones in the yeah. past. Yeah, yeah. And then... Oh, my second one was... um, Now you're engaged at a wedding. Do people speak to you a bit different? Like, ooh. No, I don't think so because... um, Firstly, this wedding that we were going to... um. Like, obviously, people are familiar with Mayanka. Definitely not with me, because obviously, like, I'm... like You, you heard the um, line of relation oh. before. Uh-huh. Um, but also, like, I think, firstly, because not that familiar with the crowd there, and also half of them only speak... Well, not only speak Swedish, but speak in Swedish amongst themselves. Big, la- big language barrier. <laughs> um, and then also because... It's just the thing with, like, um, Asian culture, isn't it? Like, I found it even since we got engaged. Like, you, like we've told, like, our Asian grandparents, and they're just like, oh, cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not really a thing to propose, is it? Like, it's not, it's, like, more like Richter and then married, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not like, like, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, you're engaged with this, like, diamond ring, and it's just like... The great what does that mean <laughs> like, um, like okay so like get organizing like come on yeah so like if, if with that in mind like i think it's like i'm still a boyfriend rather than like a fiance if right, that makes sense right. uh-huh. um so people aren't necessarily talking that much but like the people that were closest to it, yeah definitely asking what's going on like that sort of thing so yeah no okay i'm done now right Pulling the plug on a wedding chat. And not just take, I just did not just take 20 minutes talking about <laughs> your wedding. Right, guys. So, um, in case you didn't know, um, this week was um, 75 years since the partition of India, which obviously being a South Asian show, we of course need to touch upon that. Um, so, I was thinking in terms of this episode, because you know we like to keep things varied and like not get too serious. So, I thought, seeing as this is a serious thing, we'll discuss partition in the middle and then do a bit more of like pop culture type stuff either side of it. Um, obviously, we've now had 20 minutes of wedding talk. So, I'm going to push the other two things together at the end. Um, but now, let's just talk about partition, right? So... 15th of August, um, which is technically India's Independence Day. Pakistan is the 14th the day before. Um, earlier this week, well, it was 75 years, so three quarters of a century since the partition of India. And now I'm presuming that anyone that's made it this far into the episode knows what partition is. Um, but if you don't, essentially um, what is now 
India, Pakistan, Bangladesh used to all be one um, territory known as India. Um, it was it used to be made up of loads of different princely states. Um, the British obviously came along in, I believe, the seventeen or eighteen hundreds, um, colonized, and yeah, when it came to um, the nineteen forties. Um, I think things have been brewing for a while in terms of um, a sense of, I, I never forget, is animosity a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a bad, bad thing. Bad. It's a bad, that's <laughs> I'm using the right word. The sense of animosity between um, different communities, um, particularly those from Hindu, Muslim and um, Sikh backgrounds, um, basically just not getting on. And by the time it got to the 1940s, obviously it was World War Two, And I think it's also common knowledge that Britain weren't actually doing that well in World War Two until America stepped in and helped them. Um, and needless to say, after World War Two, um, they were in a very poor state um, in regards to economically. This is also why obviously stuff like... Um, Windrush happened where they brought in loads of migrants from previously or currently colonized countries to help rebuild the economy in the country at this time but basically got to the mid-1940s World War II was over but I think even before World War II was over I think it was known that they Britain weren't going to be able to sustain um, colonizing India um, as it was then like this massive country um, for much longer um so it came to um, the end of world war Two, and plans were put in place to um basically leave india to sort of fend for itself um be ruled over essentially bearing in mind obviously like i said that before this point india was just made up of like loads of princely states so it wasn't necessarily this like unified um country as it's seen today basically but Britain wanted to leave it in that way, but I think they were also um, concerned or were aware of the fact of, like I said, the sense of animosity between particularly um, Hindu and Muslim communities as well, but also Sikhs as well. Um, So it came to a point where they decided, right, we're going to basically separate this landmass into um different areas one area is going to be a hindu majority state one's going to be a muslim majority state and yeah we're just gonna um leave them be and that's essentially what happened like the guy that they got in to draft the agreement literally had like never stepped foot in india like the line was literally drawn like over a lunch like that's how much effort basically went into this um so the lines were drawn um is India in the middle and basically West um West Pakistan, which is now what is Pakistan, and then East Pakistan, which is now what's Bangladesh, became Bangladesh in nineteen seventy one, I believe. And yeah, it was just like left and then complete chaos ensued. I mean chaos was happening anyway, but essentially what you what what they'd done is said like, right, this country is basically gonna be Hindu, this country is gonna be Muslim do with that what you will and obviously considering there was already like 
a bit of a sense of angst between the two communities, which in part was also egged on by um, the colonizers as well. They, it was this typical divide and um, conquer way of ruling. They made these communities or tried to get these communities to have arguments between each other in order to um, easily dominate them, basically. Um, so obviously the, all these communities were fighting with each, uh, each other and it wasn't just as easy as saying, okay, this is going to be a Hindu country, this is going to be a Muslim country, because obviously in both you had Hindus living in what was now Pakistan and Muslims living in what was now India. Um, but what the British had essentially done was given a green light um, to the dominant religions of these now separate countries to basically reign havoc over the minorities um which obviously led to the deaths of thousands if not millions i don't think we actually know the um statistics what we do know is that it led to the displacement of like 10 to 20 million people you had hindus in pakistan that now had to travel all the way to cross the border into india where they would be more safe and vice versa so muslims traveling from india into pakistan and bear in mind it wasn't just the case of like oh um you need to go to this country now here's your pass off you go like start a new life there it was a case of you need to uproot everything you're living where you've where your generations of your family have lived for thousands of years well, okay, maybe thousands of years is a bit of an overstatement, but hundreds of years, and move to this place, start a new life, and it's not even a case of you can just hop on a train or anything. You have to escape, right? Because people were getting on these trains, getting on these boats, and the people that were being violent knew, obviously, that this was happening and would ambush these trains, ambush these boats, and um, slaughter people. Like, I remember so for context as well at my um family so my grandparents were um kids when this happened um they're from Sindh which is now part of Pakistan um and they actually moved I think a couple of years before partition because they it, it had already started happening and I remember like my grandma telling me about how like she was literally a little girl and she was so scared because she would see these trains of um dead bodies literally driving by and that could very much easily have been them um yeah and it's just really sad as well um obviously can't condone violence in any manner um but i think it's also it's, it's also good to say that like this wasn't like a conflict between hindus and muslims in the sense that it was like a war it was more like certain individuals were taking um liberty of the fact that this was a chaotic situation and decided right uh, like basically obviously some people are filled with hate but i did have one like nice story well not nice but i know my granddad said that when they had to leave um they the reason they left was because um a muslim um, acquaintance of theirs came along and said like you guys need to leave because if you're here tomorrow like you're gonna die and basically gave them a, some kind of weapon i think it might have been a sword or something it was like here take this to defend yourselves and that was that and i think it's a story of so many different families but 
my reflecting on my own as well, I know that my granddad's family had quite like a good standing um, when they were living in Sindh and obviously having to uproot everything and leave, they were essentially like refugees when they came to um, Mumbai eventually. And I've seen like where my um, grandparents and my dad grew up in India and it's like by no means like luxurious. It was a one bedroom like flat, you know what I mean? So like to go from that to that, um, obviously you're grateful for your life, but at the same time, it's like you've lost everything. Uh, yeah, it's just, I'm surprised that like more people don't necessarily know that this has happened. I mean, surprised, but not surprised, but I think it is really important to remember it as well. Like 75 years isn't that long ago. Like there are still people around, like, like I said, like my grandparents, like that, went through this and witnessed this and like it's very much like we're still seeing the effects of it today so yeah it's definitely something to important to remember and take um acknowledge make acknowledgement of yeah that <laughs> was fantastic yeah thank you i'm on my halima cap today yeah i was yeah. like wow i was really absorbing that information yeah oh, thank you Obviously, it's not a nice topic to talk about, but no. I, think, I think as well, like, I know, I know, Simran, you said that you're not, like, the most knowledgeable on this no. topic, but I think it's also a bit sad as well. I think in the narrative, people forget that, like, Sikhs were literally, like, like they're often forgotten about in this story because, like like essentially um raids and murders were still made by hindus and muslims against sikhs as well i mean and vice versa i'm fairly sure but obviously like um that sikh communities were still attacked and it wasn't like sikhs were given the nation of punjab and said this is all yours now you know what i mean like they were pretty much like mm -hmm. it's not like they had a safe place to go even so yeah i mean punjab yeah. got split in half so there was a lot of displacement there was a lot of conflict yeah. that happened at the border which was in Punjab you know the, the section of that was in Punjab so it's like I think a lot of people there at the time didn't know where they stood they didn't know who they identified with as we were like our own minority group so the persecution that occurred during that time I think it just left people a trapped in Punjab they didn't know where to go they couldn't identify with India or Pakistan or a certain religious group who were the majority at the time and that then led to, I think, obviously circumstances like the like attempt at like genocides, like nineteen eighty four and things like that. So I think coming from that community, it hurts more when we learn about it because it's like a like you said, forgotten about in the conversation quite a bit, and the violence was quite like you said. Obviously, both it happened on both sides. Like I'm sure there were people in Punjab that are ensuing violence as well, but we were targeted a lot more because we didn't have the equipment, the resources or the space or like even the like political power mm -hmm. to I defend think, ourselves or get anything done. Yeah. And I think as well, this is just off the top of my head, but I think as I think along with Muslim women, I think Sikh men are probably some of the most easily identifiable people. Like, it's not like I think, if you were um, a Hindu person or a Hindu Indian person um, who was moving from Pakistan to India, obviously it would still be a treacherous journey that you had to go through. 
But at the same time, you had a, probably a slight advantage in that people couldn't necessarily tell like where you are, like what your um, religion is. Whereas Sikhs is a very obvious indicator there, like which I imagine probably made them like say a very easy target to actually, like if they wanted to cause violence, then go for it. Yeah. But I mean, even looking at it from like a the wider perspective, from like the British perspective the job that they wanted to get done got done. Do you know what I mean? And we still feel the effects of like interracial tensions from like just being in South Asia, you still, and being in the diaspora now, like you still feel the effects of like the tensions between religions or certain groups. And then even when you go into those groups, you have the subgroups like the caste system. Yeah. You know, so the whole divide and conquer thing, it worked. Do you know what I mean? Like not only do like, I can only speak from my perspective as like a Punjabi Sikh, but f- like looking at the caste system in itself as like one thing in the community that divides people and causes tension and conflict. And then looking at like inter-religion beef that still translates into, you know, 2000, like 2022 England. Yeah. Definitely. You know what I mean? It is, it's crazy. The effects of partition are so long lasting and they're so damaging and detrimental to like how we interact so many decades on in a different country is crazy it's a shame as well because like you say that divide and conquer thing the fact it still exists in many ways um like um brown people south asian people face similar forms of oppression on a daily basis and you can't help but think that maybe if um communities came more together and stood up for themselves as a unit rather than hating on each other then maybe be able to maybe move into a bit more of a better place the fact but it's those, like yeah that's on. exactly why those systems got put in in the first place to stop people unifying with one another and stop us living in harmony and creating one big collective that we could then retaliate against the people that were colonizing us at the time that's exactly what it did and i think it to an extent does translate here and now and you know, you cause these like small tensions or you get people caught up in trivial things like, you know, small, teeny, tiny things, not like massive structural like problems. Like you, you cut, you caught, you cut, you, God, you like get them caught up in like microaggressions or like, you know, small little things instead of looking at like the real, real like institutionalized racism and things like that or the effects of colonialism that still last to this day. And it's just a way of like biding time and making sure that no, that no one becomes powerful enough to actually address the real problems. I think it's, a, I, I've just realised as well how, I don't know whether ironic is the right word, but the fact that obviously um, a ethnic racial slur comes from um, Pakistan, which was used and became such like a big thing. I think particularly like in the 60s and 70s, it became more and more of like a, um, it more 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 widely used but it's just so ironic to me the fact that that slur comes from a country which is literally created by britain like it's like you you previously colonized that country you created pakistan and now you've come back and these people um have emigrated to your country for whatever reason and you're using a slur against them when like literally the slur that you're saying is like like it's you know what i mean it's just it's so mad to me that it's it's all so like puppeteered by the british yeah 
it's just the world we live in. I feel like we can't forget that partition was really not that long ago. Like, literally, your grandparents, my grandparents, they lived through it. Things like when I've spoken about 1984 um, in the past on here. I was 19. My mum was, like, 13. That's, like, mm. not long you're, ago you're at started, all. You started your mum. Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. These things were extremely, extremely recent. So, of course, we're still going to feel the effects from them. And, like, it's only up to, like, people now to take the stories from your grandparents and, like, use them to educate yourself and, you know, learn about stuff like this to understand where we come from, why we're here, the struggles that people before us went through to put us here. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Something like me stressing about my dissertation, that's a very lucky privilege to have. People in this day and age in different countries don't have that privilege to, to stress about something as trivial as a dissertation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, my grandparents had to survive every single day. Yeah, I mean, obviously everything's subjective and it's, val- it's valid, but at the same time, yeah, it's, it is, you are privileged to be in that position, like we all are. Yeah, but you can only recognise that if you take the time to, like, learn about it, which is kind of, I think touching what we spoke about a few weeks ago about like just cultural identity especially being in britain like and how it translates over mm-hmm. definitely i think probably round things off there so you don't have that much time but i think just in general if you're listening to this and you don't necessarily know that much about partition for whatever reason um just it's, it's easy just do a google search like honestly like I, I last year I did a video on it for Pi Radio, so you literally just search that. It's like a five, seven minute video which explains everything. Like, just go and watch that. And yeah. Hopefully we never see such a thing again, but some things don't change. Ah, uh, Britain. No comment. Anyway <laughs> Moving on. Obviously past the serious stuff now. To round things off, I thought we would have a little bit of a conversation about what's been popping up on socials because Simran, um, if you don't know, lives under a rock. I was just about to say, I live under a rock. (laughs) Um, And I I live under even more of a rock now because I'm not on social media, which is crazy. Yeah. So it's quite funny actually, because like when sometimes I'll bring stuff to the table and like, it's getting your full on first reactions to it, which is authentic. So I like that. I was going to yeah. say, like, we'll talk, we can talk about this next week, but, like, oh, my God, I've learned so much not being on social media. And it's such a big deal for me not to be on social media because I've never done it before. Yeah, no, definitely yeah, something to... Yeah, I don't think you realise it until you actually do it. Definitely. But what has been going viral on, like, Twitter, Instagram, etc., is a particular video of this guy, I think he's from Birmingham, who... Um, adopted to get um or not adopted opted to get um veneers and he like many people do in today's day and age um went to turkey and basically the procedure was botched i think he's been there twice and to no avail no one can help him i think he kind of was just doing a video as like a last plea like showing like what situation he's in and the situation he's in is basically like he can't talk or properly eat without the teeth falling out like like literally like he he'll talk and it'll just fall straight out of his mouth and it's been divided like obviously this is a really 
like I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. But at the same time, you've had people online saying, well, this is why you don't opt for like cheap procedures because like, you know, this sort of thing is going to happen. Some people have been like, why do people opt to get veneers? Like, because just, just to touch on that for a second as well, veneers, like it's such a a very, it's it's crazy. It's a very extreme option. There's always, there's, there's a lot of steps you can consider before you go straight to veneers, I believe. Yeah. Like, like the fact that you are essentially shaving down your original teeth and it's not like they're going to grow back like they're gone like you've, yeah. you've, you've done that you're opting to have to change it every 10 years or whatever um and the fact i don't know like for me is that that i i, I personally could not imagine getting them because a i think i don't think I don't have such insecurities about my teeth that I would want to do that. But also I just think the idea of like, I think even if I did pay something expensive, the idea that something could go, could go wrong and you could be like, once your teeth are gone, they're gone. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, like, even if you're in a place where like financially you can't afford it in 10 years time for your top up, what do you do? It's just, yeah, exactly. You just fall out. Like, I don't know, but obviously, obviously, I feel bad for this guy. But I think it maybe points towards a wider conversation that we need to have about, like, why, why, why is this happening? I mean, obviously, just like I think twenty, thirty years ago, it was all in the magazines to, like, for women, for example, it was all the thing to be tall, skinny, and blonde, like low-rise jeans. That was like the thing. Now, um, the thing for a lot of people is to have these like really um mirrored mirrored teeth essentially like literally like this is the thing as well like i that the, there are other options you can adopt for like invisalign yeah, or yeah, like yeah, yeah. or like just teeth whitening i don't get why you wouldn't do that first because a is a lot cheaper and b i feel like it just looks a lot more natural like yeah you don't need like square, really uniform, bright, shining white teeth. You know, I think that, you know, or, or maybe you do. I don't know. I'm not going to impose my belief yeah. on anyone, but like, you know, do what you want. But at the same time, the natural look when it comes to teeth, I probably like dentists would agree is probably better. Do you know what I mean? I just mm. feel like with this situation, I see both sides in like, that's really unfortunate that this has happened to him and you know that surgery needs to be held accountable I guess if they're like obviously not sorting him out and I hope he gets it sorted because a horrible situation to be in on the other side obviously you understand the risks of what you're getting yourself into and if you're opting for a cheap option with something like this I feel like surgeries are not something to skimp on (laughs) you know you should like if you really want it you you save up for it and you do it properly because it's not worth playing with like your health or your life yeah do you think as well like i mean obviously people should be able to do what they want to do but do you reckon more time of like regulation on this sort of thing needs to be in place but i feel like there's nothing we can like in this country obviously we're it's pretty well regulated from what i understand but you can't stop a different country from not having regulations offering it cheap and someone booking a flight and going yeah it's a bit much isn't you can't be that authoritarian but even if it is for their good like it's just sad i mean yeah i mean it's bodily autonomy in a sense that like you have to let people do what they want and if if someone's going to offer a four thousand dollar four thousand pound procedure for 400 pounds if you want to go and get it that's your prerogative but you need to understand the risks that come with it and i suppose that if those risks like if it does go wrong like in this case then 
how much it's like it kind of brings the question up of how much accountability or responsibility do you take versus the people that did it to you as well yeah definitely and i I think also it just sparks the question it just sparks the debate all over again about the necessity of like um enhancements and plastic surgery and things like that in our society and why you know it just starts the whole debate all over again of why people think they need to do stuff like that yeah it's sad as well like i don't know i don't want to get too much into it because like you said before people can do whatever they want but i do see a lot of procedures nowadays that are becoming a lot more commonplace which are just like i remember when surgery plastic surgery was a bit more like an unattainable thing and when people did get it it was maybe less obvious like it was sort of like a bit more like subtle it was all it was all about trying to enhance certain features yeah. without without it being like like because if you got found out it was supposedly like a scandal or oh this person's done this which yeah. isn't which isn't good but like that's the way it was but now i think because it's become so much more accepted which in itself is a good thing people should be able to do what they want i just i do feel like people are kind of seeing it as sort of a a way of life like it's it's like it's it's just something that you do like i see so many young girls with like um amplified lips for example and i'm just like it just it looks so obviously it's so obvious that that's been done and if they want to get there if you want to get that fair enough and they have their own reasons for doing it but i just think it's sad that we've got to the stage where it's like people do want to essentially make changes to themselves that are so obvious and in my opinion don't let like like they look i'm gonna say they look abnormal because it doesn't look like what a human face looks like before surgery i think okay quickly i'm just gonna put it down i'm gonna get it on record because i feel like i could do a whole episode on just like body and facial image in our society especially for young girls and the impact that instagram filters has on this Mm. and why they need to be boycotted and why that probably is gonna if it if it hasn't already we will see a massive massive spike in surgeries or people flying out to get surgeries on like their face just because of filters I mm. pro- like, it will happen i could do a whole episode on it so i'm just putting that out there for like a future like topic but um i think like like you said Two decades ago, plastic surgery was A, subtle, but B, reserved for, like, very rich people or celebrities. You wouldn't... Your average Joe wouldn't have a nose job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, it would be, like, something for a celebrity to do and they don't notice it when they come on a red carpet and they're like, oh, you know? And, like you said, it was very... Either looked down upon or swept under the rug. Whereas now you have the accessibility of procedures, both in England and out of England that people can you know go and get and people are more transparent about it which is good because i think you should be transparent about it and you should like especially if you're if you have a platform you're an influencer let's say a beauty influencer for example it i think it'd be very helpful for your followers to know that you've had augmentations done because obviously they they're by following your makeup routine they're not going to look like you because you've had you know surgery in your face so you know not everyone could just achieve that with a bit of contour you know the transparency is key it's very helpful but i think it does endorse it a lot more and it encourages a lot of younger people impressionable younger people to maybe think that that's how you that's the only way you can achieve a certain look you don't have to 
even like losing weight in the gym you don't have to go and you don't have to go to the gym or go you know go on a crazy workout regimen to do that anymore mm. you just go and get that like surgery off i think it's opening a lot of doors and potentially damaging doors for people to like quick fix their problems yeah which i, I mean i suppose like you say we'll see the effects of it yeah. In like 20 30 years time anyway but one thing that i've seen as well is that like it's kind of sad because i think it used to be that people would the people that were getting plastic surgery it was to look younger for the most part mm. whereas now like i think almost the main at least from what i see a lot of the people that get it are like really like young adults and it's just such a shame because it's like literally you're in your like your peak essentially of like health of like lifestyle everything and you yet you, you still want to change that but i'm like well what about when you get to a certain age and you have or maybe have the insecurities that people used to have like then are you gonna have even more surgery like is life mm-hmm. just about kind of painting a picture so however you want to look like at a certain time yeah i do have to say though like i am someone who is not against procedures i am I don't necessarily, I personally, I would never opt for like a surgery, but like as someone who has seriously in the past considered like stuff, something like lip fillers and stuff like that, like never gone through with it, but have considered it. Like I do understand the, the thought process and the pipeline of like identifying an insecurity and going down the path of getting that fixed essentially. Do you know what I mean? So I can like sympathize with a lot of people in that sense where they, feel like that's the only option and there's like no other alternative and you have to get something done but like you said it needs to stay in my opinion in the realm of like natural and in line with what you look like otherwise you just i feel like it's a pipeline of like you just go down a, a rabbit hole of like a, one one surgery leads to like another 40 and then you don't look like how you looked 10 years ago yeah i think i don't know i think it's something that i would definitely like in terms of like my kids like not like prevent them but just make yeah, sure that I, they've got the knowledge mm-hmm. and everything exactly like, i just think yeah. you do it as long as you have the knowledge the awareness of the safety you've gone through the risks you can afford it most importantly as well um and you're doing it in a safe level-headed manner as well and you know that you're at a point where it would maybe genuinely make you feel better about whatever you're trying to sort out but then you don't you like stay in control of the situation you don't then use that as like oh i fixed my nose i can do my lips i can do my brows i can do xyz and then you end up like yeah yeah but that is actually a whole episode's worth of conversation because then we start talking about the like the flipping kardashians like and just like this whole culture of like fake faces fake bodies and don't even do not even get me started on filters yeah i mean and this is before even thinking about how it all plays into like race and stuff with the fact that a lot of these features are um typically far more on people of color um, and specifically black people as well and yet um people will opt to have these features yet if they're on a person of color um, and or a black person they will not be seen as desirable but yeah again it's a whole other conversation Right, rounding things off, last thing I wanted to talk about was I've seen a lot of conversation on Twitter, um, which has been about um, a certain type of situation. So, Simran, imagine that you've just started seeing someone, um, well, not just started, you've been going strong. It's like 
it's a it's a like nice relationship, whatever, and they want you to meet the family, right? You they take you over to their family house and the mother or the matriarch of the family um um basically invites you or expects you to come into the kitchen with her and help prepare dinner, right? Like cut the vegetables and whatever. Um how do you how would you personally feel about that? Obviously I think I would do it. You know, I would obviously just like with a smile and just do it because that's also kind of me. Like I would never go into someone's house and like, even if it was a friend's house, I would a offer to help. I think as well, but like, especially if I'm trying to like impress the people, I would definitely offer. And if I was explicitly asked to do it, one hundred percent, I'm just gonna like grit my teeth and bear it. I might not want to, but like I would just do it first of all. I just need to get that out there because maybe maybe I'm a bit of a pushover, but whatever. I don't get. <laughs> um, I think. I would do it, but like begrudgingly, you know. Would you? <laughs> and I a, think. Would you bring it on later? Would you like bring with it my later? with my partner yeah. in private? Maybe I think, but then if they thought that was completely normal and they didn't have a problem with that, that would be strange, because I would just be like, "Well, I'm meeting your family. I want to spend time with your family. Obviously, I'm there as a guest. I don't mind helping out, but obviously, like." you would expect to help out, especially that involved, like, cutting veg and, like, cooking stuff, maybe a bit further down the line in your relationship, where you're more accustomed yeah. to, like... Because then I feel like, you know, to go into, like, the intricacies of it, I'd be like, oh, you know, you might give me a task to do. I have to ask, like, oh, where's the chopping board? Where's the knives? Where's this, that? You don't... You can't cook in someone else's kitchen. It's hard. Like, I, and then, you know, you might annoy them and put something in the wrong place. You don't know how particular they are. I think a lot of people are basically people that are finding fault with it are basically saying a um like why is it expect why why would it be expected that you would do that um b and b like at the same point if you're meeting someone for the first time like you're you're still a guest do you know what yeah. i mean at that point uh, so like that sense of like being a guest but having to chop veg basically because you're a woman let, let, let's be honest because you're a woman in this situation mm-hmm. like i don't think it would happen the other way around i think a lot of people are also saying as well like if it's about like meeting the family as well why is this person obviously grateful that they're cooking dinner but why are they waiting until the person's there to start doing it i was gonna say it? yeah like, and also just like why are you trialing me as a daughter-in-law you know mm. like it, that would just feel like a test your cooking skills and then like why is my value based on my cooking skills why don't you want mm. to speak to me as a person you know yeah i think yeah and also why is the um what's it called the your partner why are they not like helping chop and stuff you know what i mean oh that would that would be the point of anger for me if they didn't like say like oh wait no wait i'll do i'll go do it you you sit down and speak to my brother sister whatever like you know mm. yeah it's a tricky one like I, I i do agree with what you're saying like obviously i can't imagine myself getting in that position because i think it is something that would happen to a woman but i think i agree with what you're saying in terms of i can imagine you would feel like just go along with it you don't want to cause trouble yeah I, but then you don't want to set a precedent of like that's what you'll do every single time you come around and then you're just in the kitchen which is yeah. not fair mm. Very and true. I will not stand for that. 
Lots of hair. Good thing to good. That's a good thing to round things up on. Simran will not stand for being put in the kitchen. No one puts Simran in the kitchen. No, because I can't cook anyway. You get cheese toasty at best. Right. Anyway, no, you can't out yourself like that. You're putting your bride price down, Simran. Oh no, I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) What you see is what you get. I'm done. I'm done using this radio show as a dating app. (laughs) It hasn't worked out for me. Catch us back (laughs) next week, two to four p.m. on Pi Radio. Um, we will be back potentially um just me and simran maybe halima halima's off in kenya by the way at the moment just living life meanwhile simran hasn't left the country since (laughs) (laughs) pre-covid how do we always manage to end on a downer that's why i said the cheese (laughs) anyway this is why i tried to i'm ending it on a high thanks for listening guys we will be back next week goodbye bye